You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Hello and welcome to another episode of TV I Say with Ashley Ray. We're back with episode 11. Another episode, another episode. I'm so excited for today's episode. We have Nikki Mayard on the show. Nikki Mayard from Laser Wolf, amazing writer, so funny. We get into Laser Wolf, which is one of my favorite shows for all the reasons you'll hear about in the interview. It's so, so good. Walked away with an even deeper love of that show. So that'll be coming up. Up first, though, you know, it's the watch list. You know, we start with all of the TV that I watched over the last week. If you subscribe to the newsletter, which you can on Substack at ashleyray.substack.com, you can read all of these details throughout the week. If you are like me and you want to watch TV at an unhealthy rate and you're like, it's Tuesday, what do I watch? Subscribe to the newsletter and you can watch along with me. But if you are someone who watches TV at a healthy pace, this is your weekly update, things you might want to check out over the weekend while you relax, you well-adjusted person I'm jealous of. So this is the watch list. Up first is Evil Lives Here. That is on Discovery Plus. It's an investigation discovery show, true crime, premiered in 2016. It's not a new show by any means, but I am just checking out Discovery Plus now. I got a sign up. By the way, if you have Verizon, you can get a free sign up for like six months through your Verizon account. I'm not plugging that. I just found that out and it's helpful. But I started watching all these old shows that are on there. And I started with Evil Lives Here. It's uh, about people who lived with murderers before they knew they were murderers, kind of. But it's like ex-wives who are like, yeah, I was married to this guy for 10 years. And then one day the cops were just like, he murdered four women. And they're like, what? I had no idea. I lived with him. But then they talk about what it was like living with him. And you're like... I think maybe you had some ideas, but it's a wild show to watch. I love it. My mom, I told her about it and she was like, Ashley, I have been watching Evil Lives Here since it first came out. Investigation, Discovery, True Crime. This is my scene. This is what I do. So that's the Discovery Plus app so far. (laughs) It's a lot of shows that I'm like, oh yeah, whenever I go back home, this is what my mom just has on TV all the time. 
But hey, they're good shows. I mean, if you're looking for comfort TV, they got all the cooking shows, they got all that stuff, the I'm gonna fix my life, which is exactly what I like to veg out to. So I've been watching a lot of Discovery Plus since we had a coup. That's how I comfort myself, I guess, is watching Evil Lives Here. There's some crazy stories on there. There's a guy who joins a cult, and then it's a cult I'd never even heard of. He, like, ends up killing four people. They also shoot it really cool because they don't reveal what the person did until the end. So you're kind of like, oh my gosh, what is this horrible person going to do? But it's also interesting because it focuses more on the survivors who were left behind and impacted by the people's actions more so than these evil people. So I think it's a really great way to understand sort of the process of how we work through our trauma, the guilt that we hold and how we blame ourselves for things. But I mean, there's one woman on there and she straight up was married to this guy and he was like, hey, yo, I killed people. And she was like... (laughs) you're so funny and then years he was like it happened again and she was like oh wait you were for real i recommend it if you are into true crime moving on on the watch list with more discovery plus content i'm just gonna dig into all the 90 day fiance i mean it is basically in my dna it's like i have a blood oath to constantly talk about 90 day fiance I watch so much of it all the time. I write about it constantly. So if you are sick of my 90 day opinions, eh, I'm sorry, but I have so much to say still. I'm going to start with 90 day diaries, which I tweeted a little bit about. I wrote about it in the newsletter last week because these were the shows when I was like, oh my God, Discovery Plus is so worth it. And I'm so happy that this exists. 90 Day Diaries and 90 Day Bears All, those are the two for me that was like, yes, this is the type of premium content I'm willing to pay $5 a month for. It's very different from the show. It's cool that it's in an app because it gets so weird and X-rated. It's cool. I'm into it. And also, Sean Robinson is like the best host in the world, and she hosts 90 Day Bears All. So to me, it's like, okay, this is worth it. But I'm addicted to 90 Day Fiance. So, you know, that's me. If you are a healthy person, I don't know. But 90 Day Diaries is cool. It's kind of each person, couples who have been on the show, people who've been on the show, they film it themselves. They just talk into their cell phones and they're like, here's what I've been going through. Here's an update on my life. And it's kind of like the 90 Day Self-Quarantined that they did, but that was weird and kind of gross. And 90 Day Diaries is a little bit better because it's more structured. And they also bring back people that you actually care about. And by that, I mean Danielle and Mohammed of course, Danielle Mohammed, like they know that's what the people want to see. And they bring back Danielle Mohammed. And it's actually very well done. It's not exploitive feeling like happily ever after. Or what now when when they had Danielle like come back for that, it feels a little bit better. So I liked it. I like 90 Day Diaries. Also, Courtney is back. You remember Courtney and Antonio and Courtney, the last time we saw her was in self quarantined where she got stuck. With her sugar daddy, she was literally like, I just came to visit for two weeks. And then they were like, you can't fly. And I didn't want to get my parents sick because I live with my parents. So I just stayed here. And we hate each other and we fight like every 20 minutes, but we're making it work. That was a very good Courtney impression, by the way. If you don't watch 90 Day Fiance, you don't know that that was a very good Courtney impression, but I nailed it. But she's back with that same sugar daddy, she basically stayed there. She ended up getting stuck and you finally see her go back home and just be like, I'm reclaiming my life. So shout out to Courtney, one of my favorites from 90 Day. 90 Day Bears All, that's what's up next. What I watched, all the episodes that are out. 90 Day Bears All comes out every Sunday. So after the new episode of 90 Day on TLC, you can go watch this 
And it's kind of like a tell-all after-show clip show, Sean Robinson extravaganza. It's like so much better than a clip show or an after-show. It's such a good combination of what you should do with a streaming show. They bring in other couples to comment on current couples who are on the show. You know, so you get to see David and Annie, some of the classics, and there's just no rules. It's like, oh my gosh, they did not have to share that with us. It gets so personal and uncomfortable, but it's so good to watch. In the last episode, there's this moment with Tariq and his brother, and you know, they don't talk. And they finally force each other to have this conversation. And there's just the most emotional reveal I've ever seen on reality TV. And you know it is so real. And one of them is so, I'm not going to spoil it. One of them is so hurt. And you just see the devastation right there. And Sean is just like, I got to fix this. You know Sean really wants to fix this relationship. And she cares about these two. But at the same time, she is leaking information because it is amazing television. God, she's a genius. Moving on to 90 Day Fiance, not moving far along at all. Uh, Still writing about it on Vulture if you're following the recaps. I am loving this season. There's just some really surprising villains and heroes. Like, surprise, surprise, I'm absolutely in love with Yovi and Yara. They are my favorite people in the world. (laughs) I'm really rooting for those two. I thought they were just going to be the boring couple that was clearly there for Instagram followers and to get some clout. If you remember, what's that couple? Like, Blake, it was the black guy and the girl from Sweden or whatever. They were just so boring. And so I kind of thought Yovi and Yara would be like that, but I adore these two. First of all, Yara is a queen. The way she is just like, I do not do things I don't like to do. And she just is like, "Uh, yeah, Yovi, everything in your house is broken ugly. You need to grow up and stop wearing your outside shoes in the house. Yeah, she's just trying to upgrade this guy who is absolutely my type. A friend of mine and I were talking about it, and he was like, Ashley, you absolutely would date this boat shoe wearing New Orleans asshole. And I was like, yes, you are absolutely right. I can get with a guy who wears Sperry's. I don't know why I shared that. I don't know. But yeah, so Yovi and Yara, those two. If it doesn't work out, though, Yovi. I love New Orleans. I love it so much. Hit me up. You could be on a boat. I don't care. I love long distance relationships. That's great. Oh, moving on. Shameless. Shameless. It's back from clip episodes. They did two weeks of clip episodes for the holidays. I didn't really watch them. I mean, I put them on and did some other work because I hate clip shows and, you know, I've seen it. They had some new stuff in there, but it was like all cutesy stuff, you know, for the mega fans. But they're back this week with a new episode. And hey, they're trying to really do this ensemble sitcom spin in the final season. You know, they don't have Fiona. It's what they got to do. I kind of like it, but it's also weird because they're finally like, let's really kind of take on themes like racism and all of this head on. And it just falls so flat because these things have never really mattered in the world of the show in a real way before. And they're trying to take on like the police issue and it sets a weird tone. But hey, as I've previously said on the pod lip is still hot so hey i'm gonna watch that show until it's in the grave next up love after lockup i got back into that i gave up on it i was like i'm gonna stop watching this show and then of course over break i ran out of tv to watch so i desperately turned back to love after lockup caught up on the last three episodes you know they are still stretching plot they just i feel like since 
the three episodes I watched, maybe two hours of events have happened. It's literally just like, oh man, he's still trying to find the girl that ran away and he owes money on her bail and stuff. It is, I don't know, but it's just still, for me, it's like a version of reality TV that's really interesting. I had tweeted something. They announced a new Netflix show, The Bling Dynasty or The Bling Empire, but they announced a new Netflix show about just really rich people. And I tweeted something like, nobody wants to watch a reality show about rich people anymore. There was an article that came out like three years ago, actually, about how that wave of reality TV is dying. The wave of rich people of housewives of the Kardashians. And we see that now with the Kardashians ending. We see that with more sort of backlash, even against online Instagram influencers who flaunt their wealth. It's just not what people want anymore. And at the same time, you see shows like 90 Day Fiance and Love After Lockup, Unexpected, just growing and growing. You see more people interested in more sort of like bare bones, semi-documentary style reality TV versus this sort of false reality, this created reality. Anyway, I'm going to be writing about that for a thing. You'll hear about it. But that's why I watched this trash. Anyway, that was my long explanation for explaining why I watch Love After Lockup, even though it's not a great reality show. So (laughs) if you're watching it, isn't Michael still disgusting? Great. Moving on, my favorite show that I watched over the last week, my absolute favorite, Veneno. Veneno on HBO Max. Oh my God. I fell in love with this show. I watched it all in a day. I just immediately clicked with it. And it was on a bunch of people's best of the year list last year. It came out in November in America. And I wish if I had watched it earlier, it would have been on my list too. But I know over at Vulture, they had it on the list. Absolutely good call because it was one of the best shows that I watched. It is so moving. It's hilarious. Amazing performances, the way the narrative is structured. I can't believe more people aren't talking about it. And you know, I take that as a personal failure. That's on me. I should have watched it earlier. I should have told people about it earlier. And I'm making it up to the world now. You gotta fucking watch Veneno. I'm not... It's on HBO Max. Just go watch it. Just go do it. Watch it with subtitles. Watch it with dubs. It doesn't matter. Whichever version you need to do, watch it because it's so good. I'm not even gonna tell you what it's about. Just go. Just go watch it. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. I mean, I'll tell you what it's about. It's about this just, you know what? No, I'm not gonna tell you what it's about. I can't even, it's about Veneno. I don't even know where to start. I'm gonna watch it again. It's one of those things where I'm just like, I need to be immersed in this story again, because it's 10 different stories in one story. It's a world. It's a world. Just go watch that show. Okay, moving on. Oh my God, watch Veneno. Best Leftovers Ever. That's the next show on Netflix. I got into Best Leftovers Ever. I talk a lot on the show about the Great Pottery Throwdown and the Flower Fight and other reality shows that I like. And Best Leftovers Ever is kind of like that. I really liked that Netflix cooking show, Cooking with Cannabis. That one to me is one of the best weed cooking shows ever made. Best Leftovers Ever is kind of a similar tone, but there aren't any guests. It's just your standard panel of judges. And it's interesting because I actually think having guests would kind of put some really good energy into the show. At times it feels a bit stagnant, which I think is the biggest problem for me. Like once you kind of accept, okay, they're just recooking leftovers in a different way. It's an interesting concept and it's cool to see the end product. But then you already know how each judge is going to respond to what they're eating because you get used to what they like. So there's no real surprise in terms of who's going to win. 
But I still like the reveal of, oh my gosh, how did you use fried chicken for that? So yeah, that's cool. Next up, Laser Wolf. Like I said, we have Nikki Mayard on the show today. So I was rewatching Laser Wolf to get ready for the interview. The second season just ended this past weekend. So you can go watch all of it. It's all going to be on HBO Max soon, but it's also on Adult Swim now and in the Hulu app. It's just so good. It has a reputation as like the Adult Swim stoner comedy that like doesn't try to make sense. But the show makes so much sense. And we'll get to it in the interview. But uh, it's on the watch list. So you should watch it too. And finally, I watched Mr. Mayor. Mr. Mayor premiered. I watched the first two episodes. This show, I talked about the comedians last week and how that show was funny, but just bad timing world culture wise. And Mr. Mayor is the same thing. If this show had come out around the time of Parks and Rec and The Good Place, obviously, you know, Ted Dance, but if it had come out just years earlier when people still, I think, had more hope, this would be a show that people are like, oh my gosh, what an amazing cast. And it's so funny. And it is an amazing cast. It's so funny. But the thing is, is right now I live in LA. It's just like not a time when we can just be like, oh, oh, what a goofy, charming mayor of LA. Oh my gosh, what a knucklehead. What a cutie pie that we all can laugh at. You know, it's like that girl with the daddy hat. They're trying to personify the mayor of LA that way. And it just doesn't work when we're all very angry at the mayor of LA right now. I don't know who the show is for, who is like, oh, I just want to be charmed by this political office when we're also desperately annoyed and upset. So, hey, you know, it's a shame because it really is funny and it's a talented cast, but I don't know. There needs to be something that makes it less based in reality, something that makes it more surreal for me to disconnect it from the fact that, you know, they're literally talking about real issues right now. So it's a weird tone to strike. And wow, that's the watch list. That is all the TV that I watched. Wow. And you know, if you want to get more detailed info on all that, even more insights into TV I watched, because you know, there's more TV that I watched, you can subscribe again to the newsletter or the Patreon, where I have detailed things of things I'm watching, where people are making me watch things that I'm reviewing. On that list, we have Dark and the Wildlings. The Wilds? It's the Wilds. (laughs) We have Dark in the Wilds. That's what some people have asked me to watch. So I'll be doing some bi-weekly recaps. I try to do every three episodes and then write something for the people. So hey, if there's something you want to make me watch, add it to the watch list. Just subscribe to the newsletter or the Patreon and I will do it. Up next, we have our interview with Nikki Mayard. Enjoy that. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. TV I say. Do you need me to put anything on or can you hear me well? Uh, you sound great to me. All right, cool. I like it when I can do it without mics because I have all that set up. But yeah, to- I always feel so corny when I have like my mic set up thing and I feel like then I'm a real <laughs> white boy podcaster and I'm just like, that's not the vibe here. <laughs> With me, it's just annoying for me because I just get to a point where I'm like, um... I don't want to do this anymore. Like, you know, like the audio stuff happens and I'm like, I'm going to be real with y'all. Like, I really can't. Like, I'm like, yeah. it's not working. So what are we going to do? Yeah, they'll um, be like, oh, you got to have this app and this app open and then get this and then I'll mix yeah, it. And I'm like, just can like... Can you also like record your own audio? Yeah, and then like, send that over and I'm just like, no, you, you can just it. be on your phone and I'll work this out. Don't worry. <laughs> But thank you so much for doing the show. Today we have Nikki Mayard on the show, a uh, writer on Laser Wolf, hilarious, just a writer on so many things. I mean, I know you were tweeting earlier, you're getting back into kind of writing for yourself. You write literature for TV. I'm just such a fan. And I'm thank so happy you. to have you here, especially I think after this hectic, insane week, your tweets have really been a source <laughs> of comfort for me because I'm like, thank you. <laughs> That's wonderful because I told myself that I was going to stay off of Twitter this week. It's two years since one of my best friends died this week. So I was like, oh, I'm total mental health, getting out of here, self-care. And then I was like, this is where I go to feel better when things that are out of my control are happening because I'm able to talk to other people and at least at least commiserate, you know? Yeah. So it's I was a, like, a way to... Twitter all week and I was like, nah, it's probably not the week for that. Like, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> like, maybe next week to decompress. It's a way to collectively process. Yeah. Even that girl who this morning had that Gail interview, just immediately seeing your reaction of just, why are we even letting her on TV? <laughs> I was even- like, Thank you. <laughs> like, why are we watching this? <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, really? She went with a daddy hat? A daddy hat. So I described it. It was very Kendall Jenner AOC cosplay. Yeah. Like, very... I'm in LA. Think of me as a young LA girl, but also yeah. like, think of me as a person of color and also think of me as pretty so that you feel automatically you don't know what this 14-year-old black boy looks like, but you know that I'm very pretty. Yeah, that I'm very pretty and so nice. And I'm just a right. girl and he's and a guy. Whatever, you know, and like this lady's like, oh my God, this lady's getting in my face. And I was like, this lawyer didn't properly brief you. But no. unfortunate because it seems that you are a little, yeah, a little sky, like a little yeah. out of it. She was just like, I got this. Don't worry. I saw some PR yeah. classes on TikTok and I know what I'm doing here. This is like 100% a lazy wolf scenario where he's just like, I'm coming in. I got this. Yes. I don't like doing interviews, but I'm going to do it and then I'm going to go. Yes. Unfortunately, you're not a cartoon. You're a human. <laughs> yeah, there's this one line in the first season. I think Vince does it. He has to pay for something. He's like, paying for something? Ew, I'm not doing that. The deadpan delivery, that was the same way that she was just like, Gail, enough. Enough. <laughs> it's just like, where is the confidence Gail, coming enough. from? As if, as, if, as if she wasn't saying it, she was like, just to make sure you understand what I'm saying, enough. <laughs> enough. And it's like with a tone of, do you know who I am, Gail? Just also like imagine being the craziest interview Gail has ever done is R. Kelly. And now yes. you're like right there. You're right up there. You're right up <laughs> you're there right with 
with R. Kelly's like, y'all are killing me. Like that's oh, it. You know, it's like there's this guy and now there's you. And now there's you. <laughs> Good job. But yeah, with all of this going on, I've been re-watching Laser Wolf for the interview and it's an amazing show. I feel like it gets this reputation of a show you have to watch when you're absolutely stoned. And it is an amazing stoner show. And I think it deserves credit as being an amazing Black stoner show, mm-hmm. which is good. But I know you're doing a dry January, right? Mm-hmm. I am. And the funny thing is that I always laugh about Lazy Wolf so much because obviously the writer's room, most of us smoke weed, but I'm probably the biggest stoner stoner. But Laser Wolf, Vince doesn't smoke weed. <laughs> like Vince is completely sober. Wow. So it's really funny to make a show that it is stoner that's adult swim too i think like, yeah you get that. it's a gamer kind of end of the night you're chilling kind of laugh to yourself absurdity that works on the channel and it's just so funny to have a stoner show with a star that has no he doesn't smoke weed or anything at all so yeah. i think we try to give people the idea that it's a stoner show just to give them the idea you're really supposed to watch this to relax you also are allowed to miss half the jokes. We want you to watch it over and over and over again. It's only 11 minutes. You know what I mean? So replay value is really what we're shooting for. And so that idea of just being like, come to this when you're ready to settle down, get your brain into a little weird world. And just, if you don't smoke, then feel like, okay, I'm a little euphoric. I'm a little outside of reality and I'm laughing until my chest hurts kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. So I feel like the first time I watched it, yes, I was absolutely stoned and it was amazing. I was just like, this is so good. It's so funny. I just love the whole vibe of it. And then rewatching it, still high, but less high because, you know, not as high, actually able to get into the details and be like, oh my God, that joke is hilarious. Like the actual concepts are so beyond the stoner comedy. And I know there's that show, The Midnight Train and stuff and Rick and Morty where people are like, oh, this is just kind of silly and kind of funny. But then you watch it and you're like, no, this actually gets into really heavy themes. Yeah. And it's so good. Your episode that you co-wrote on in the first season, Where Are You From? I oh, love yeah. that one where it's this weird semi-documentary of yeah. warring lemonade faction. Yeah. So that episode means a lot to me. It's not my ultimate favorite episode, but it's like my second favorite. Um, Because (laughs) when I walked in, it was like an idea that we brought up in the writer's room that really, it was Henry's idea, honestly. Henry, when we came into the writer's room, one of the things that he really set up for us was the understanding that everyone in Strongberg is Black, except for the animals, which you should think of as Black anyway, you know, but everyone in Strongberg is Black. So he was like, I just want to make that very clear that you don't have to explain Blackness because nothing else exists in this world. So that kind of took for us as Black writers like, okay, cool. I can just focus on specific cultural references, getting into stuff that's really funny without having to provide some sort of levity against whiteness or against, oh, you know, blah, 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 yeah. blah like this. And, and there's, so- oh, there's so many of those moments that are beautiful. There's one joke in that episode where it's like, he's mean, like Lawrence Fishburne playing Ike Turner mean. Yeah. And it's like, so just, I don't have to, ex- you don't like, yes. <laughs> like, you <laughs> like, get instantly, it. Yeah, you get it. And I feel like that's one of those lines where working with like a white editor or someone would be like, could you describe this a bit more? Like what, if someone who hasn't seen that movie, <laughs> right. um, how would they, and there's none of that here. And I just love that about the show. The Home cereal, you see it and you either get it and you don't have to be black to get it. That's the great thing too about it, right? You make a black show and you center it in blackness, which means that the audience either gets it or they don't. They don't have to feel like, 
oh, this joke was for me, but that joke wasn't. It's like, no, all the jokes are for you. You either get it or you don't. You don't and yeah. you either get it because you are Black and you have these cultural references or you know these cultural references. We're not here to judge you. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing in there that we're like, you shouldn't know about that. Yeah, but it also, doesn't feel like some sort of test of like... Yeah, it's not. We really weren't trying to be Henry, really. And I think that's what made it so wonderful for me too on the show. So often when you write Black themes, you're like, how do I contextualize it? Da, 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 da. And it's like, we are the context. That's enough. And there is, to me... In America, Black culture is American culture. So everyone always wants it to be specific when we're using it, but they're happy to appropriate, take, look at the language of advertising. Now it's the language of Black Twitter. So it's like, if our stuff is so accessible to you to sell, then it should also be accessible to you to entertain and enjoy it. And we shouldn't have to contextualize it. And the premise of that whole episode was, Henry said, if everyone in the world is Black, what is a civil war about? And we all started shouting things out. Resources, obviously. I was like, food. I was like, anything. We love to argue about anything. And so I think for me, I really jumped on that episode. There was like a little bit of a tension about whether we should do an ep- that episode. And then Henry really yeah. fought for it. And I just raised my hand and I was like, I have to do this. Because I was like, I love Ken Burns. One of the first documentaries I ever watched of his was The Civil War, which was, oh, yeah. I didn't even know why my young self was watching that so in, in, like so intensely. And I was like, there's just, to me, that idea that we can rewrite history in our own context and just have it be fun and playful and not try to, as much as I love the boondocks, like we're not here to teach you anything. We're not here to get a message across to you other than just Here's what it is. And here's yeah, what's here's our idea of this. Thing. Right. The idea came from thinking about grit, grits. You know how we fight about putting sugar in grits or not. Yeah, of course. Versus un- savory. And I was like, it's always about taste. Sweet and savory to me made the most sense. And then lemonade, we just kind of ran with it. It just ended up being, I don't even remember how we got to lemonade, but it was just being able to take something so simple and make so much fun out of it and touch on so many things. The episode, I'm always surprised that people really love that episode because I always feel like it's my sense of humor where it's like, I said something super, super nerdy and everyone's like, I kind of get it, Nick, but like, come on. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's so good. And that was one of the episodes where I was like, how can you say this is just a stoner weed show when it's getting into themes like this? And just to backtrack a bit, you said this was your second favorite episode. What's your first? My favorite episode is the one this season where Jamantha interviews Lamont Breakwater. Okay, yeah. That one is my favorite just because the visual gags in it. When they sent me the episode, I was really crying. And the visual gags in it and the idea, just the back and forth of the two, like there's nothing in that episode that is, it's just media, you know? It's just like idea of media. And so that's my favorite. That one, I love that one. I just thought it was perfect. I've never seen a show perfectly just skewer this type of relationship, I guess, or Mm -hmm. I don't know. I was just like, yes, this is what it is like. That, Civil War, and Bill Figure are my three favorite episodes. I have to say, though, one of my favorite lines in the second season is in the episode you wrote, The End is High, which they're all in heaven and stuff. And at one point, someone says, being stuck in God's house is my idea of hell. Yeah! (laughs) And just there's something about being in heaven, being like, I'm just stuck in God's house. That is my favorite thing that I've ever heard. Think about it, you know? Like, Like, damn, I'm really just stuck in God's house right now. I'm just right. And it's like the funny part is he's punishing himself by punishing them. And that's so (laughs) funny. And I think for me, when I first heard about the show, when I sat down Henry and watched the pilot, and I saw that God was a character. And in the original pilot, Lazy Wolf says very clearly that he doesn't like God and it's his 
life mission to prove that that guy is nobody. You know what I mean? It's not even this anti-religious stance. It's just literally new rappers being like, I don't know who Biggie is and I don't care. You know what I mean? And you're like, yeah, yeah, that works. Like, like, so Godfrey is such a great character because obviously growing up Black, growing up in church, it's almost like, Ooh, could I ever have made this joke? You know, there's a time in your life where you're like, I could have never made this joke. But also just showing him as that thing about we're made in his image. And it's like, nah, he's also us. If we're like him, then is he like us? Yeah. You don't really too much think about the divinity too much, but being able to have him be a character that's wrathful and vengeful and also just petty in the way that he kind of is in the Bible is really funny. And yeah. having him be Black so that it's literally having Carl Winslow makes it feel like a Black dad. And he's still my dad is just such an absurd and fun way to look at it. Yeah. And not that I think I can spoil the show or anything, but just at the end when they use manifest destiny and a technical eviction and he's just like, damn, how'd you get the lease for this place? And it's just God gambles like every (laughs) Uno episode where he's gambling over the championship belt. He gambles over the universe. The moon is his ex. So he doesn't get involved. Like the idea of God living in the world that he created, really absorbing it and being a part of it rather than kind of being this thing. That, because I think that's also very Black too. God for Black people feels very tangible, I yeah. think. You know what I mean? You have to believe in a lot of things you can't see when you're Black. So I yeah. think God goes beyond feeling like some sort of omnipotent person above us and more like a person that walks with you every day. I'm speaking just from growing up in religion. I just want to say I'm not telling anybody. Yeah. But yeah, that's really funny for me also because I am atheist. So seeing God as a character, being able to do it as a cartoon and not having to worry about dipping into anything that makes anyone feel weird about it. Yeah. Or uncomfortable. Imagine if this guy was like, cool and just yeah adieu. just <laughs> yeah i love that so they're just like you have no chill you just no chill. from the beginning you have no chill you kind of like, have a problem bro it. like <laughs> and also like it's funny because we always talk about like our god is an old testament god he's like not cool. he's not like turning things water into wine he's just like up. i'm really mad all the time all the time please you're wearing the wrong linens and i'm not yeah. like, <laughs> exactly. that does not sound fun to me <laughs> i don't want to be stuck in his house <laughs> MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. One of the things I kind of was curious about, because you mentioned uh, Reginald Lavelle Johnson, I love so much of the voice work in the show. And obviously, over the last year, there's been so much talk or just whatever 
about black voice actors and people saying, oh, well, it's so hard to find black voice actors and whatever, and it changes the tone of the show. And that's why we do this or whatever. And then I watch Laser Wolf and it's just like, how, wait, what? (laughs) It's some of the best voice work that I've ever heard, I guess, in a show. And I think it just shows the capability of, like you said, you can have someone play God and play it off as like a dad character. I was just curious if you could kind of talk about the voice work on the show, working with- Yeah, I think one of the things we did, if you watched in the first season, obviously we were introducing all the characters, most of the writers had voices. But when we came into the second season, Henry was like, I really want to make this an ensemble cast. Like, I really want it to. So that's how you have me playing four different characters. You have Ellington Wells playing three different characters. You have Quinta playing a bunch of characters. And so what it really is wonderful because we get to write. We know the delivery a little bit. We get to write and play with it. And knowing the voices that you have, like, we know Vince. So being able to know Vince, and even though Laser Wolf isn't Vince, but knowing how Vince can deliver Laser Wolf, I think has always been really fun. And I think the thing that really does it for us is if you have the context of everyone in this show is Black and you are writing in intonally, culturally, just referentially Black, to bring someone who's not Black in to do a voice, it's not to say that they couldn't, but I'm asking a lot out of you already. You know what I mean? I'm almost asking you immediately to put on a performance because I am asking you to play this Black person. Whereas I think In other shows where there are black and white characters, people tend to tell themselves like, well, it's who can play the character best, right? Because there are all sorts of different tones and voices here. So we just want it to be diverse or whatever. But when you're writing something that's so referential, so black and steeped in that and not really giving up any part of that, it would be hard for me to imagine us having a lot of or any white voice. You know, it's funny because people think Stupid Horse is white. And I'm like, why? (laughs) <laughs> I'm like nothing about Stupid Horse is white. Yeah, I like, none of the voices. Uh, yeah, as anti-blackness makes you think of Stupid Horse as oh a silly, but I'm like JD Witherspoon is black voice acting. You know what I mean? This is the son of John Witherspoon, but also JD Witherspoon's voice. He's yeah. incredible. And I'm like, there's no one white on our show, and I can't imagine as a voice actor coming in and you know like Cree is our voice director, and it's yeah. so great being there with her because the references she gives you, she's like, you know, give it to me like you're doing this, give it to me like you're doing it, and then you build the rapport of it, and you can even watch when we're recording it the white people in the studio who come in who are watching it are like laughing with us and they're laughing, but you can tell they're like, I don't want to laugh too hard. Yeah. You know? Like, well, you know, they're attacking. Like, like, what, like, am, like, yeah. <laughs> what am I laughing at? Am I doing it right? Am I getting it right? <laughs> to me, it makes easier to laugh at everything because you know that it comes all from the same source. It all comes from the yeah, same source. It, it all has the same intention. You mentioned Cree. What is it like working with her? Insane. It's like the yeah. best thing of my whole freaking life. I'm just such yeah. a fan of hers and I'm, I'm a fan of her voice acting. I follow her voice everywhere and I think it's so wonderful. I love raspy voices and to walk in and see her and she walked in and she's like, this show is so funny, man. And she's like a stoner. She's so chill. She's like our native hippie, my auntie. She's just so down to earth and cool, but so professional. You see the years and years of experience that she has, the decades of experience that she has when she's telling you how to re-deliver a line. You know, you're recording this and animation is not like live action. I'm not sitting in the room with Vince recording it. I might be sitting in the booth, you know, listening to him, but you're delivering your lines by yourself. Sometimes there's a cue in, but really you're just talking into a mic and trying to feel the scene out for yourself. And Cree is so incredible at 
describing what kind of voice she wants from you, listening to your first take and saying like, I need an inflection right here. And she's like, okay, you sound a little mad and I want you to sound like you about to punch somebody. And she gives it to you. And for me, someone who's never voice acted before, like people like my voice, I'm very good at speaking, but I've never voice acted before. It's still acting, but it's still very much acting and having someone who really knows how to deliver also knowing how to tell you how to deliver. You know, it's like they say, smart people who can't teach. You know what I mean? And smart and can't teach. And I think that to me, if I never did anything again (laughs) in this realm, that would still be the coolest thing I've ever done. Yeah. I feel like that really is seen in sort of all of the second season episodes. Mm -hmm. Everything you said about it being more of an ensemble comedy, I really felt that. And I think in the voice work, I don't know, there was something to it that really kind of bounced out. And I think that points to it. Our first season, Carl Jones did it, and he's great. He's wonderful. Obviously, also just this tons of resume as well. But like Cree, really, there was just something about the way she really was with us in the booth. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she knew everything. She's like, sometimes you come in and you're recording. I record almost all my episodes in one day. So like a lot of times it's like, we're moving to this. Okay, page 35 and episode 204. And I'm like, what's happening here again? <laughs> She's like, hey, baby girl, this is the moment when you're done. And she just walks you right in it. And she just strips away that insecurity for you and just lets you have a lot of fun. When I do the club owner and I have to eat an apple on the mic, it's the weirdest thing to like try to eat an apple when you're not really eating. Yeah. She's like, give me a little more crunch. Give me a little more. Crunch. Like, you know, she's so hands on. And when I watch this season, I'm like, yeah, you feel us melding. Yeah. You know, the second season, the whole point of it is to like make you guys understand and love the characters more and kind of give you a bigger background on who we are and why we're so odd. And I felt like the second season's made us less odd, which in a good way, you know, like it made us yeah. make more sense. <laughs> yeah. Huge part of that. There's kind of more personal warmth maybe in the voices in the second season. In your episode, the fourth one, there's a robot or not robot, like a computer internet character. When she comes on, she like introduced her and she kind of coughs. Yeah. And just that little pause made me laugh because I was just like, why would a robot would a computer <laughs> But it just was one of those small things where I was like, I wonder if that was just an accident in the booth and somebody was like, no. No, that was me. And it was like those little touches where I was like, this is so good. Just Yeah, and that's free. She'll hear you deliver it and then she'll be like, I like that. With me, very often she would be like, because you do the line three times. And yeah. she'd be like, I really like on the second one how you did that. I didn't think about, why don't you do this? And then, you know, when you have someone that experience, you're improvising in the booth too, which is really, really fun. Yeah. And we'll record something and she might say like, yeah, let me get that cough in there or whatever. Or even that character, when she was describing to me the voice that she wanted, Jamantha's my voice. Jamantha's kind of raw, my voice, in the way that Blazer Wolf is very much QB's voice. And yeah. so she was just like, can you sound like Kate Blanchett from The Lord of the Rings? She's very ethereal oracle. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know? And yeah. we're like, tinkered it in the booth. And then the cough thing, she was like... Yeah, make it feel like a human is in there, you know, (laughs) the computer, but make it feel like a human is sitting in there. And I think just having that little, it just makes all the difference when you can really feel yourself like grow. You have time to like kind of grow into the character and kind of get it and tinker with it and play with it. That's the fun of animation too. They can't see your face. So it's drawn after you say it. So if you say it right, that gives the animators so much so more much to kind of play, work yeah, so much more to play with. Exactly. Yeah, that's so cool. Also in that episode, I love the blue blood joke. Yeah, I mean blue Any- blood is our running joke. It's in yeah. season one, it's in season two. I think we were very happy in season two to show you that it's a vampire cop show. Cause we were yeah. tra- we stopped in the room and we were like, but what is blue bloods? Like, you know, and 
The funny thing about it is all the jokes are really earnest and really cute. It's just a CBS joke about God being old. Like, that's yeah. all it is, you know? <laughs> it's so fun and we riff on it and it's so cool to watch him and Wallace watching it, but it's really just like a riff on old people watching Blue Bloods and, yeah. you know... Like, yeah, oh my god my mother loves that show and because i feel like i'm one of the few people who's heard of it just because my mom talks about it and yeah, exactly fun of it, i'm like i lived in chicago and they shoot it there and they had a media party one year and somehow i ended up on the invite list and they had these blue blood cocktails and one of the last bad memories i have of getting drunk is at a blue bloods party on blue blood cocktails that were just blue raspberry red bull with blue vodka so yeah, that really just brought that memory back for me. <laughs> I was like, so. I was like, I can taste that memory for you. Yes, it. that's Vista. I wanted to bring that to my listeners. <laughs> I'm like, we're all sitting here like, what's the Martin Ooh. sound? Like, you know, like that. Like, yeah, and all- I just remember that. And then they had pictures of Tom Selleck or whatever is in the yeah, show yeah. everywhere. And I just remember being like, what is life right now? <laughs> it's just blue bloods. Everything is blue bloods. Yeah, but you know, it's like all the characters, we try to give them levity quirks jamantha don't pay her debts you know what i'm saying <laughs> like blazer wolf is a crazy capitalist canon wolf is an opportunistic scammer which we love and scamming is our favorite we're always talking about scamming in yeah. the right because we're just like scam 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 it all and so being able to give the characters just anything even the littlest things that laser wolf is such a fun character but he could really be so flat because he doesn't like anything you know what i mean people who don't like anything are such a bother and the one thing that i'm always so in awe of when I watch Laser Wolf is how much I love how much he doesn't like things. Yeah. So he like practices not liking things. It's not just apathy, it's active not liking. Yeah. You know? And it's very firm boundaries, just like no, <laughs> he's not firm even shock. It's always a very firm, funny boundary where he's just like, I will not, no, thank you. No, my favorite thing also is that he doesn't tell people he doesn't like things, he expects them to know. And that's my favorite thing. So he's always like, you know, I don't like work. You know, I don't like working. You know what I mean? You know, I don't like food. You know, I don't like talking to people. You know, he's never in a place where he feels like he has to explain himself. He's in a place where he feels like he should be understood. Yeah. And I think that's what makes the show so earnest and actually really sweet. He's not some ravaging monster that really ruins the day of everyone around him. Everyone is really around him because they really respect his boundaries and like the way that he moves about the world. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, Laser Wolf, it has been one of the pleasures that has come into my life over the last two weeks during this coup. I'm so happy that I've been watching it. If you're out there, the second season just ended when you're listening to this. So the first season I know is all on HBO Max. Uh, and if you have Hulu with live or Hulu with Adult Swim. Com, if you have yeah. like a login or you can watch it via Hulu. They or Hulu. On. And yeah, and it'll all be on HBO Max soon. It's so good. What else have you been watching to get through this coup in our um, last final I minutes? I've been rewatching Laser Wolf. I'm not kidding. I literally <laughs> watched the show because it's such an easy and smooth watch and listen. I've been rewatching Laser Wolf. I've been watching a lot of anime. I've just been staying out of real world stuff. Yeah. So Attack on Titan and like a bunch of... Um, oh, I know that one. Okay, I'm yeah. not an anime person, but I do watch <laughs> Attack on Titan. My friends always make fun of me. I can never remember the name and I'm always like, oh, it's the Remember the Titans with the monsters. And they're like, that's not that show. But yeah. Um, so I've been watching that and then I've been watching a lot of British TV. So I'm watching Gangs of London... I'm watching the show Gamora from Italy. Like I've just been very much in either very light. I've been rewatching Robot Chicken, which I really oh, love. Yeah. Big Mouth, which is really great because Quince is on it. And I just freaking love that show. The last season of Big Mouth, that got me through December, I feel like. I was just like, thank God we have this. It just brightened up my soul. 
It really did. And it was on time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was something that people really wanted to see, something people needed to see. I think something that we haven't seen very often with Missy's whole storyline and all of that. And so, yeah, I've been kind of sticking more to cartoons and kind of just rewatching old 90s action movies and thrillers. I like seeing old New York and I don't know, there's something about seeing the world pre-pandemic, but way before pandemic, you know, like way before. Yeah, there's like a comfort in like a yeah. 9-11 New York show. Exactly. Nothing really beats it. I did that with early Sex in the City. I was just like, oh, wow, look at, <laughs> look at these white ladies. City, just- but I ended up doing Law and Order SVU from the beginning. Yes. It's really funny to watch that show now, feeling how I feel about police and all that stuff. But it's still very much a character development show. So watching a character you watch your whole life from the beginning and also just seeing New York and seeing, you know, this is a show where every single episode you see a different New York. So you see the changes in New York in real time. Yeah. And I've really been enjoying that as well. Yeah. And it really reflects, I mean, culture and society. They really do rip from the headlines in a way where you're like, oh my gosh, I need to go check out the real story behind that. I can't believe that actually happened. Wow. And seeing the changes, I think what they really do, not that I'm here to hype up cop shows, but (laughs) don't don't watch Law and Order. We are not. not. (laughs) Yeah. What they do is, as you watch the characters in the way that I'm watching it, you see the change in cultural beliefs. So even the way they talk about sexual assault, yeah. so seeing it in 1997 when they started all the way till now when we have Me Too and where we have language, watching the language change and watching Olivia Benson explain the language change, you know, it's like, yeah. that's probably what I'm getting the most out of it. It gives me a little bit of optimism about how much progression has happened. Yeah. Even if looking outside makes you feel like walking backwards. (laughs) We're being just tossed backwards. We're moonwalking. It's ironic. I have to look at the past to kind of remember that as hard as this feels, we have come a long way. And I mean, literally, Elaser Wolf's on TV. That's yes. And it's as a so, kid, I would never imagine that, you know? So Yeah, and it's so fucking good. Nikki, hey. thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was oh wonderful. Oh my God, this was so much fun. <laughs> I am so happy I got to talk to you about these episodes. I'm loving the show. Well, I'm happy to talk to everyone about Laser Wolf. I think, well, this happens afterwards, but we were doing like a clubhouse room where people could watch with us. And I think... If we get a season three, we'll probably do something like that where we can talk to you. Yes. People. I feel like getting high on Clubhouse with y'all while you <laughs> talk through the episodes is the dream. That <laughs> Make that happen. Yes. Well, thanks, actually. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you to my wonderful guest, Nikki Mayer. That conversation, I have to say, uplifted me after that horrible week that we had. It was so great to just talk to someone about their show and their writing process. And gosh, that's what I love about this podcast. If you also love this podcast and you want to support what I'm doing over here, this one woman operation that is me doing my podcast. You can support me at the Patreon. There's the Substack, like I said, the newsletter. You get some really cool extra content. You get the episodes early. You get transcripts of every episode. You can make me watch things. Like I said, there's so many cool perks. If you want to subscribe, you can basically donate whatever you want. You can donate a dollar to the Patreon or just the Substack, whatever. So many options. But thank you so much. If you don't want to give me any money, at least rate and review. At least give me five stars. Go leave a comment. I'd appreciate that on whatever device you're listening on or streaming thing, that would be great. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. This has been TV I Say with Ashley Ray, and we'll be back next week with another episode. The TV I Say theme song was made by Rafia. 
Santana, and our artwork was created by Chastity Hyman. TV, I say, with Ashley Ray, another episode, another episode of TV, I